This morning's scripture passage is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Faith. If you are joining us for the first time this week, you're finding us in the middle of a sermon series moving through the Sermon on the Mount, and the beginning of that sermon unfolds with something that we call the Beatitudes. Uh, last week, we made our way through the first four, and I had a bit over-ambitiously assumed we could get the last four today. Uh, but as we got into the text, at least as I did, uh, it seemed too overwhelming to do all four in one go. So we're just going to, this morning, take the concept of what it means to be merciful and consider that together. So just one today, not all four. Um, we'll move on to the others next week in a pace to be determined. So I do ask for your prayers, but would you, would you just pray with me? Father, we come to your word and we humbly bow before you. We have worshiped you in song. We have declared your wonder. We have sung of your fulfillment of prophecy. We have praised you, Lord Jesus, for being wonderful Father, everlasting God, Prince of Peace. So many different ways in which you manifest the wonder of your character and the character of God the Father. And Lord, I would ask you to let your kingdom come this morning in our hearts as we sit around your word and think, would you let your kingdom come in our hearts? Would you shape us, Lord Jesus, to be kingdom people? Would you change what needs to be changed in us? Would you give us hearts that are humble enough to admit when we need to be changed and quite content to let you teach us? And I ask for your help, Lord. Would you please let my words that I speak be exactly what you would want to be spoken this morning. And would you give us ears to hear? Lord, your word is salvation. Your word is security. Your word is hope. And your word is healing to us. So let us understand the meaning of mercy and how we are to be a merciful people. And I pray that you would give us hearts that desire Lord, to be obedient to you in every way. So please let your kingdom come in our hearts this morning. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as we think about mercy, um, one verse for us today. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That's, that's the thought for today. And as we think about mercy, the couple of questions that sort of come to my mind. What is it? What is mercy? We use that word, but how many of us can define it? Um, where do we see it in, in Scripture, this call to be merciful? 
Um, what, what is that? Why should Christians be merciful? And then when should we be merciful? Is that all the time in all situations? Or is there something that we should think about how and when? So those are the, the three basic questions that um, I want us to consider this morning. And uh, as I was sort of thinking about how to review what we covered last week, the, the first four Beatitudes, uh, something came to mind because when you hear this command, if you're not a Christian, you, it's impossible. If you don't have the spirit of Christ within you, the Sermon on the Mount will depress you. And I have a living example because I bumped into someone this week who said, you know, we were out of town last week and so we came. I listened to what you had preached last week and he said, I just have to tell you, I've been, since we started the Sermon on the Mount, I have been reading the Sermon on the Mount. I've read through it several times and every time I read it, I get more and more depressed. Not encouraged, but depressed and distressed because I realize I can't live up to this. I, I, I see in this text a standard that is far beyond me and he said during prayer Tuesday night prayer we meet every Tuesday in here to pray he said something occurred to me was I think I've been looking at this all wrong I have been looking at this as here's the standards that you need to up to, to live up to and then God will welcome you and he said but I had exactly backwards it's like I know Christ has welcomed me and yet now he's calling me to live according to these standards and I said, yes and amen. That is exactly what we are, are trying to illustrate here. Jesus is not saying in the Sermon on the Mount, if you do this, I will welcome you. Check off all these boxes and I will welcome you into my kingdom. He's not saying that. He is saying, you're in the kingdom. And now this is how you ought to live. This, these are the standards to which I want you to embrace because it's, it's not as though do all of these things and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, child, and so now let the Spirit through you produce these qualities and, and live out what we're seeing. So please get that right. I hope I have been clear because if you come hearing this, this Sermon on the Mount, because if you read it all, it's incredible absolutely incredible. And, and these are the words of Jesus. So my prayer this morning is, as we think about mercy, it was, it was simply too large of a topic to, to, to cram in three other beatitudes altogether. So if I've heard the Lord right, I think we need to sit with this today. So I just want to review the, the, the first four of what we have seen, because they're a kind of illustration of the kingdom coming in the hearts of people. So the first one, blessed is the poor in spirit. We said, that means you realize you have no righteousness of your own. You, you are spiritually poor, like, as in poverty, you have nothing to bring to the cross. We realize we, we, we suddenly get a glimpse. When the kingdom comes in your life, you get a glimpse of the holy, holy, holiness of God the Father and how empty, empty, empty you are of that holiness. And, and, and that poverty of spirit is what we're, we see uh, the, the poor in spirit speaking of. And, and I thought of an old hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for me, you, you've heard it, right? Verse three says this, nothing in my hands I bring, nothing. 
Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior. And if you know it, what? Or I will die. That, that is exactly right. That is good theology in a hymn. It is true because nothing, we bring nothing to salvation. We come completely empty, devoid of any kind of righteousness. We are helpless. Somebody said to me, you know, you Christians sometimes see Christianity as a crutch. I'm like, a crutch? It's like a stretcher. Christianity is not a crutch. I, we, we, are, we come, Jesus comes and gets us, right? You, you weren't lost and you found Jesus. Jesus found you. And he brought you into the kingdom. And, and when you come, you realize, I have, no, I have nothing. I am poor, pitiful, wretched, and naked. And he sought me out. He came and he got me. That's poor in spirit. Blessed are you, those who realize you have no righteousness of your own to bring. And yet we come. And, and when the kingdom comes and you realize your poverty... You realize what you don't have, but when the kingdom comes in your heart, you also realize what you do have, which is an abundance of sin. And so those who mourn, blessed are the mourn, those who mourn, that's those who mourn over the sin that they do have. Because we realize, I don't have righteousness, I do have lots of sin, and I, I, I mourn for that fact. And so blessed are those who realize their sins need to be forgiven. And then the blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are meek. You're humble before the Lord. You're, you come bowing down before him. I have nothing to bring. I have lots of stuff I need taken away. And so now, Lord, I am humble before you, so please help me. And then what's the next blessing? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We know what we need. When the kingdom comes in your heart, you know what you need. You don't have righteousness and you need righteousness. And so you yearn for the righteousness of God. You, you cling to him, to the cross, his perfect righteousness, so that he gives you what you need. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then in the progression of this sermon, what does righteousness look like? The, the next four beatitudes, the next four blessings are kind of exposition of that righteousness. It is mercy. Righteousness in the life of the Christian looks like mercy. It also looks like purity. Purity begins to happen in the life of the Christian. And it looks like peace. Peace of Christ comes and so does persecution. So that's, that's where we're going. Um, that, that, this kind of movement of the kingdom of God and transforming a heart and then carrying you on by putting that righteousness within. So we're just gonna stop today and consider verse seven, which is blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. So the people of God who belong to the kingdom of heaven are a merciful people and the blessing that is theirs is theirs because they will receive mercy. Right, So they show mercy to others, and thus God shows mercy to them. And God will give to them what they give to others. Now, don't think of this as a kind of works righteousness, meaning, okay, so if I'm merciful, God will be merciful to me. If, I, if I'm kind to others, if I'm merciful, then God will give that to me as a way of kind of earning that. 
Because this is one of the ways in which we get in trouble is when we pluck out a particular one of these blessings and pull it out of the context, right? This is not a kind of works righteousness because what? What's the first thing Jesus said? You, you have no righteousness. You're poor in spirit. So he's saying this to the same people. So the blessing is abiding on the people of God. And he's saying you are blessed. And so this, is, this merciful nature will begin to come out within you. So this is not righteousness earned. It's, it's the evidence of righteousness expressed. Meaning when the kingdom of God has come in your heart, you begin to be a merciful person. Mercy begins to, to flow out into your life. And so I think that's the question for us. All of us who are Christians, and again, this is for believers. Am I a merciful person? Is mercy in my spiritual vocabulary? And is that a part of my life? As, as I'm living out my life in this world before Christ, is mercy a part of it? Because you remember, this, this Sermon on the Mount is spoken to the disciples. Remember, Jesus saw the crowds. He went on and sat down. His disciples came to him. And then he taught them, saying, and this is what he said. So here's mercy. So what is mercy? In extra-biblical context of Greek, mercy is the emotion aroused when coming in contact with another person's affliction, serious need, or serious need, that moves one to show undeserved kindness or concern. Mercy is you come in contact with somebody's misery, someone else's difficult circumstance, and something within you is moved, and you want to relieve that distress or that, that difficult situation. And so you enter in, even though you don't have to. There's no obligation to do so. And, and that's the, the, the larger meaning of the word context. And so that includes both the emotion and the action. It's the inward disposition as well as the outward activity engaged to alleviate that, that distress or that suffering. We often see the word used in judicial contexts. Uh, for example, when a judge hears a plea of a guilty person who says, Your Honor, will you please be kind to me? And explains the circumstance that, yes, I, I am guilty. Here's my situation. Would you be kind to me? And a judge will be merciful. He will not give fully what is deserved, even though it was in his power to do so. That's an instance of where we see the word used. So the New Oxford American Dictionary picks this meaning up and defines uh, mercy as the granting of compassion or forgiveness towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So it's not doing what you could do in order to alleviate someone's distress or someone's difficult situation. We see a wonderful example of this. I'll give you two biblical illustrations of this. The first is a tax collector in Luke 18. You might know this story. Uh, Luke is comparing a Pharisee who goes to the temple to pray with a tax collector who goes to the temple and to pray. And here's what we, we see about the tax collector. He stands far off. He does not even lift up his eyes to heaven. He beats his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Is that part of your prayer life? Is that the kind of disposition? He, he knows he deserves nothing here. Right? He won't even draw near to the temple. He's standing far off. He, he's far away from the temple. He's not even looking up to heaven. 
He simply has his eyes looking down. His father, be merciful to me. He's smiting his chest. He's, he's under conviction of his sin. He does not deserve anything from the Lord. And he knows it. Because he won't even look up. He's, he's staying far away. And yet he comes, doesn't he? He comes and he asks for forgiveness. Because he knows the character of God. And so this, this merciful disposition of God is what we see is being illustrated here. God is merciful, right? And that's where this, this quality and this characteristic comes from. So he knows he could be punished, and yet he's coming to, to God asking for forgiveness. In his distress over his sin, in his, his, his mourning over his sin, beating his chest. He's, he's mourning. That's what happens. Sometimes at funerals, you'll see Middle Eastern people beating their chest, right? In grief and horror over uh, some circumstance. So this is his attitude towards sin, and yet he comes. And, and Jesus says something amazing. He says, this man went down to his house justified. I find that absolutely striking. I mean, he didn't commit to give 188 boxes to Operation Christmas Child. He didn't promise to give 50% of his Christmas bonus. He didn't commit to 50 hours of community service. I, what did he do? He just, he came in prayer, in faith and said, Lord, will you forgive me? God, forgive me. Be merciful to me, a sinner. So God was moved by this prayer and he answered it. God's compassion his heart grew warm toward this pleading and he granted it. God was, saw his, his misery of his situation, his distress over his sin, and he was inwardly moved and then he outwardly granted forgiveness. That's mercy. He withheld the judgment that he could have given. He withheld that and instead he gave the blessing of forgiveness. So again, that's mercy, not giving what one could give in order to alleviate suffering. Another example is Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20. We see this. Hezekiah, if you remember, he was sick. He's at the point of death. God told Isaiah, go to Hezekiah and tell him, you are not going to recover from this disease. You're going to die, so get your house in order. Isaiah shows up and he tells Hezekiah exactly what God had told him to say. And Hezekiah accepts it. And if you remember, he turns his face to the wall and wept bitterly. And, and he, he prayed. He said, Lord, remember. Remember what I've done. How I have lived faithfully. Remember me. He, he's pleading for compassion. He, his time, he knows. God, has, his word has, has, has been spoken. My time is up. And yet he pleads, will you remember me? And God blesses him. He's merciful for him. He withholds what he justfully could have given, which is you, you would have died. And he's, he doesn't. He chooses to bless him. And he says, you know what, Hezekiah, I, you, you're going to recover. He sent Isaiah back. And the life of a prophet, right? You go and you announce. In three days, you're going to die. And then you go away. You've been faithful. And God says, hey, go back and tell him I changed my mind. Okay, okay. I look like an idiot. And you're going to make it. Um, that's the life of a prophet. You speak what the Lord has spoken. And yet Hezekiah, God said, not only will I let you recover from this illness, I'm going to add 15 years to your life. That's, that's mercy. That, that is mercy right there. So God hears the distress of his soul. He responds by, by not giving him what he could have justfully. He withholds that, that sentence of death. And instead he gives him 15 years of life. That's mercy. 
And so the question is, well, why should the people of God be merciful? Why should we be merciful? What does this, this mean that a Christian should be merciful? And we get the answer, I think, a couple places, Psalms and in Exodus. The answer is God the Father is merciful, therefore his children should also be merciful. The qualities and characteristics that we see in our God and we love him for and praise him for are the same characteristics that should be manifested in our lives. And so as we're thinking about this, this Sermon on the Mount, the question is, are these qualities and characteristics manifested in my life? Am, am I showing, am I living these out? This is our calling. This is what we are to embrace. And so it, I, Psalm 18, 25 is almost the same wording that Jesus says here, but it says this, with the merciful, you show yourself merciful. So this is Psalm is speaking to God. God is the one who is showing himself merciful. He says, with the merciful, you show yourself merciful. That's almost identical to what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount. So God is a merciful God who shows mercy to those who are merciful. And so you will receive mercy is what Jesus is saying. You're already blessed. Remember, the blessing abides on the people of the kingdom. And so you're, you, you have received mercy. You've already received it. And you're going to receive mercy. So you, you have been blessed in this way, but that blessing is going to overflow even into the future and you will be blessed even more. So Christians are to be merciful with others because God has been merciful to them, right? You, if you're a Christian, you have received the mercy of God. Therefore, we should also be merciful. Why? Because this is the very essence of who God is. Merciful is the first word God chooses to describe himself when Moses says, will you show me your glory? Well, you remember that. When, when Moses said, God, I, I just want to see your glory. And God says, okay, I will reveal my name to you. And then when God explains his name, the first word out of his mouth is merciful. Exodus 34, 6 says this. The Lord passed before Moses and he proclaimed, The Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God, what? Merciful. That's the first words out of God's mouth. It's almost as if, you know, we're, you're playing an icebreaker game. Everybody in the room says, okay, you have to, you know, what's the first word that comes to your mind when you want to describe you? If we want to know who you are, what's the first word that comes to your mind to describe you? And it's God's turn and he says, merciful. That's me. Do you think of him that way? Do you think of God as a merciful God? Or is he a mighty judge waiting to squash the life out of you or condemn you? It's pretty amazing to me. Merciful is the first word the Lord uses to describe himself. With his glory is being revealed to Moses. It begins to shine through the word merciful. And if God's glory is going to shine through the light of his people, mercifulness ought to be something that is attached to our character. If the king of the kingdom is a merciful king, ought not his subjects also to be merciful? Right, this, this is what Jesus illustrates in a story in um, Matthew 18 about the kingdom, he uses this, this very notion of, of a king who wants to settle accounts. Uh, 18, Matthew 18, 23 says this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. 
So we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, right? The kingdom of heaven. Thank you. Some of you have been, you told me, I'm praying. You invited us to pray for the kingdom of God to come among us, and I'm, I'm praying it. Uh, there were five or six of you who sent me a little text or an email this week or in person and said, I'm praying that the kingdom of God would come in, in Hope Christian Church. I keep praying it. And here, this is a story about the kingdom of heaven, and the king desires to settle accounts, so he calls in his servants. One of them comes in who owes 10,000 talents. Now, put your thinking caps on, because this is a little tricky. One talent is the equivalent of a day laborer's 20 years of wages. He owes 10,000 of those. So this man who is called in to settle his accounts owes what would take a day laborer 200,000 years to pay off. It's equivalent to about $6 billion today. Now, you think it's bad, you have a mortgage, right? How about a $6 billion debt to a king? And what's the point? This, this cannot be repaid. And the king says, today's the day I call in the loan. And the servant falls on his face before the king and he begs him and he says, please be patient with me and I will pay you the full amount. He, he pleads, he begs, he's, he's asking for mercy and the king, we are told, has pity on him. His heart is moved with compassion and Martin Lloyd-Jones defines mercy as pity in action. It is compassion in action. That movement of the heart that wants to alleviate someone else's distress, even though there's no obligation to do so. That's mercy. And so the king says, you know what? I forgive you the whole thing. Six billion dollars, I forgive you. You don't have to repay it. This guy goes out from the presence of the king and he meets a guy who owes him $12,000. And he grabs him by the neck and starts choking him. He says, repay what you owe me. And you know what he says? Be patient with me and I will repay you the full amount. Exactly what this guy just said when he was in front of the king. Same words. And he says, no, I want it today. He has no money to pay. So he throws him in prison. And some other servants saw everything that happened. And they went back to the king. Do you know what the guy who formerly owed you $6 billion just did? He, he threw Ian in prison because he owed him $12,000. And the king says, you go get him and bring him back in here to me. And here's what he says. He says, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. And you, should you not have had mercy? There it is. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? The king expects his servants to act like him. And if we are his children, we have to figure out what mercy means and how we apply this in our lives. Because we are called to exemplify those same characteristics. If we have been shown mercy and think of your $6 billion debt is all your sins committed against a holy, holy, holy God. And he says to you, I will accept you. You don't have to fix them. You don't have to repay the debt. I, I forgive you all of that. 
and you get mad at someone because they knock your fence down while they're trying to put up their, 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 their little, you know, what is that little Rudolph guy, a little lighted thing in the neighborhood? We get offended at each other for such little things. Where does mercy have a place in our lives? Right, so if the king is a merciful king and we're his children, we ought to have mercy manifested in our lives. So we ought to be merciful because he is merciful. And that leaves me with the final question of, well, does that mean we're always supposed to be merciful in all situations, in all occasions? How are we supposed to be merciful? When are we supposed to be merciful? Right? Does, does this call to be merciful mean that a Christian parent should never discipline a child when he's caught and when he's guilty just because he says, please, please forgive me. I'll never, ever do it again. And he does it again five minutes later and the same thing tomorrow. Does, are we supposed to, Christian parents, how do we embrace this merciful attitude? Or does this call to be merciful mean that a Christian supervisor ought never to terminate an irresponsible or lazy employee because every time he's confronted with his poor performance, he pleads and promises, I'll do better next week, and he never changes? Or does this call to be merciful mean that a Christian judge ought never to pass sentence upon a convicted criminal because he pleads and promises that he's innocent and he'll stay on the straight and narrow? Or does this mean this call to be gracious that a Christian school teacher ought never to give a failing grade to a student who submits failing work because he pleads and promises, I promise to do better the next time? Or does this mean that Christian elders are never to exercise church discipline on a church member living in sin just because he promises to correct his behavior and yet he never changes? I don't think that's the answer. Because the king in this passage of scripture that we just saw is, is the living illustration of it. There was a time for him to be merciful and then there was a time he was not merciful. And, and so we have to prayerfully discern when. How do we do that? I know of no other way than walking every day with the Holy Spirit. I know of no other way than to be filled every day with the Holy Spirit. Prayerfully asking, Lord, is this the case? How should I respond here? What should I do? You show me. You show me mercy. Is this the occasion for mercy? Because there might be a day when a supervisor will confront a lazy, useless employee and he will, he will see something different in that man's heart. And he will repent. And, and yeah, please forgive me. Please help me. And, you, and you'll see fruit of repentance. Or parents, might there be a time when, when you, you, you're going to get it. You've done, as we used to say in our household, if you do that, you are choosing discipline. That, that got their attention, right? Sometimes, though, you just be merciful. Sometimes there is occasion when it is right for mercy. If a judge is always merciful, he won't be a judge for very long, will he? He'll be thrown off the bench. But might there be an occasion when he discerns or she discerns the circumstances of the case and realizes genuine repentance enters into the misery and the distress of a person and is merciful? There might be a day for that when the judge is led by the Holy Spirit or even school teachers who might be merciful in a particular instance. But I think the promise is, are we 
so filled with the Spirit of God that we are listening? And are we praying and discerning, Lord, is this the case? Is this the case for mercy? Is this when you want me to speak about the kingdom? Is this when you want me to tell how much you have forgiven me so I might forgive someone else and have a reason to explain the hope that is within me? Right, that's the calling, I think. So what is, what is mercy? I think mercy, my own definition, is a movement of a tender heart that meets someone in misery and distress and then acts to relieve that distress and misery even though one is not obligated to do so. All right, or could by rights withhold from someone punishment that is rightfully due them and yet the choice is made to be merciful. I think that's mercy. When, why should Christians be merciful? It's because our God is merciful. <laughs> we, have, we have received his mercy. And so if his spirit, if the spirit of the God who is merciful lives within us, then that spirit ought to be manifested. That, that mercy ought to be manifested through us in some way. And there are great blessings that come. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And when should we be merciful? We should walk by the spirit and be led by him continually in order to discern when those occasions ought to be. And the Christian who is led by the Spirit, I think, will find occasion to explain why you are doing what you are doing, why you're responding in the way that you're responding. So blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's pray. Father, we just want to sit for a moment with this notion of mercy. And Lord, we admit that our sins have been heaped up to the height of heaven. And if you kept a record of every one of our sins, no one would stand before you. And yet you have chosen through Christ to be merciful to us. And Lord, I pray that we would welcome this notion of mercy into our lives, that we would begin to be alert to how you would want us to display this aspect of your character at work. Fill us with your spirit so that we know when to grant mercy at home, at school, with our friends, Lord, with one another. When would you have us be merciful? Would you help us, Lord Jesus, to manifest this sweet aspect of your character? And I pray that we would begin to expectantly look for opportunities to do to others what you have done to us. And let the mercy of Christ be a banner under which we are happy to stand. And it is in your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.